Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining me on the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams, and I'm a finance author, educator, spokesperson, and consumer advocate who's been hosting this show every week since 2008. I am so excited to have you with me. I've got a really special show for you today, and it's all about dealing with money troubles. I think dealing with financial problems can be really difficult to talk about because it stirs up a lot of intense emotions. You know what I'm talking about. Guilt, anxiety, maybe some fear. But all of those emotions and all of the issues that you're dealing with are just too important to ignore for both your financial and your mental health. And whenever you've got a friend or a family member dealing with a financial problem or you yourself are dealing with money challenges, it's a pretty sensitive topic that you've got to navigate. So I decided to bring on a special guest to address this topic. So today, I interview Dr. Jade Wu, who is a clinical psychologist specializing in health psychology, and we talk about tips for managing money troubles. Jade is also a podcast host on the Quick and Dirty Tips Network. She hosts the Savvy Psychologist podcast, where she uses evidence-based research to help listeners be happier and healthier, so be sure to check it out. You will thank me. Today, you'll hear Jade and I discuss a variety of topics, including how to use empathy and open-ended questions in financial discussions, the importance of creating a safe space when talking about money, why accomplishing a small step is definitely a worthy goal, how to evaluate your own emotions before starting a money conversation, whether you're helping or enabling someone by lending the money, how to ask others for financial help when you need it, and tips to get better sleep when you have financial troubles. I hope you enjoy the interview. Jade, I am so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you do and, you know, why you wanted to get into your line of work. It's, um, I think it takes a special person to do what you do. (laughs) Well, I'm a clinical psychologist and I got into this work because I just 
became so fascinated with how people think and how we're influenced by invisible forces that we sometimes don't know and how we are very social animals and our own uh, ways of thinking and feeling and believing and acting is so intricately tied with how other people are doing all of those things. And altogether, you know, we play out these very interesting dramas in our lives. And I just wanted to learn more about the human mind and how all of that works. So that's how I got into psychology. And I wanted to apply that to helping people. And that's how I got into clinical psychology. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Um, you know, I don't know a lot about psychology per se, but I certainly know that money and psychology are very much intertwined. And I do think that there is a lot of um, angst and anxiety right now due to not only what's going on in the world, but, you know, a lot of people are really challenged uh, economically. So mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of questions from people who are wondering, what do I do if I know somebody who is struggling? People don't often ask me about so much themselves, but about other people, you know, and maybe sure. that's kind of code for <laughs> people are, are dealing with it themselves. But what do they do? Let's say... You know, my first question is, let's say you know somebody and they, you know that they're struggling. They haven't said anything to you specifically about that. But what are some helpful communication tips that you might recommend if you just kind of recognize that somebody in your life, be it a family member or a friend, is struggling financially right now? Would you say something and just kind of um, address it head on? Or, or would you kind of go about it a little bit more subtly? Yeah, that's such a great question. And yeah, I think that's a pretty common situation to find yourself in where, you know, either it's parents or children or siblings or friends who, you know, may be in tough situations and you don't want to overstep but also you want to help. And it's kind of hard to walk that line. And I think it really depends on the type of relationship you have with that person. Sometimes I think just going by your instinct, you can tell, is this someone who would prefer that I just come out and ask? Or is this someone who has their pride and really would rather take their own time to decide when they approach you? So whether to start the conversation or not, I think that you know better than anybody else whether to do that. But I think once that conversation is started, that's where it gets really tricky. You know, we want to jump in and help. We want to give advice. We want to sometimes take out the checkbook and see, you know, what holes we can plug for them. But the most important thing to actually start with is empathy. Even though you said, Laura, that you don't know much about psychology, I can tell from your show that you actually are very attuned to the psychology of money because I've heard you be very compassionate and empathic with people about money struggles. And that's, I think, how we need to be with the people in our lives. You know, sometimes we can get frustrated or we can get very concerned or anxious on someone's behalf and have thoughts like, how could you have been so irresponsible? You know, what were you thinking? How come you didn't tell me earlier? And these are, you know, understandable thoughts to have, but they're also kind of judgmental, right? So if we say these things to our loved ones, they're more likely to shut down, not want to talk to us, 
feel ashamed, feel bad, and keep on avoiding the problem and not addressing it. So the best way we can help is to start with empathy, to ask some open-ended questions and to really hear the emotion first and validate that, yeah, that sounds so tough. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were struggling or wow, that must be you know, so frustrating or that must be so much pressure. And once you've demonstrated your empathy and that you're on their side and that you understand them, then the conversation can begin in earnest. Okay, so what you're saying is really just be sure that you are not judging somebody that, you know, even if you're observing something, um, there might be more to the story. There may be a little bit more there than making an assumption about what's going on. So let's say you do have a conversation. What would be an ideal time or an ideal situation to have that conversation if somebody is willing to kind of say, yeah, I'm, I am having some trouble. Here's what I'm going through. Um, you know, I would imagine you don't want to necessarily have that conversation while there are uh, maybe other people around or if somebody's in the middle of doing something, there there might be a, an ideal way to have that conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we don't want there to be a lot of other distractions going on or lots of other people. Basically, we want this to be a safe space for the conversation where you won't be interrupted or other people might, you know, overhear or something like that. So a safe place, but also it doesn't have to be a very formal sit down at the table face to face. We have a scheduled meeting and make it all intimidating like that. It doesn't have to be. If that's a setting that would be helpful for both of you and that's what you prefer, that's totally fine. But sometimes I found that it's easiest to start a conversation like that when you're taking a walk together or driving somewhere together or you're doing some mindless tasks like you're, you know, gardening or something where you can have most of your attention on the conversation, but it's also not super intimidating and awkward and they have to look you right in the eye face to face and maybe divulge some things that are shameful or anxiety provoking for them. So maybe take a walk. Yeah, I like that. You mentioned wanting to sometimes just take out the checkbook and help someone. What do you think might be some good boundaries to put around that? You know, if somebody does ask for help financially, should you do it? Should you, you know, mm -hmm. give somebody a loan? How do you think about um, doing that in a way that still maintains the health of the relationship? Mm -hmm. That's such a wise question. I think the line between helping and enabling can sometimes get blurry, even though sometimes our instinct is to do whatever that other person who's in distress really says they need and want in the moment, that sometimes can end up reinforcing the unhelpful behaviors and actually set them up for more trouble in the, in the future. So I think one way to think about it is First of all, don't act too rashly. You don't have to promise anything on the spot. Take a moment to breathe, to validate emotions, to think through your own thoughts. And also ask yourself, you know, is this a behavioral pattern or is this a pretty infrequent thing? Is this someone coming to you for the first or second time and they have a clear explanation for why they need the money and what they're going to need the money for, use the money for? I think that's very different 
from say someone who frequently comes to you for money and has not paid you back or has been very sketchy about paying you back and they don't have a good idea about how they're going to spend this money and there doesn't seem to be a lot of accountability involved so the first situation i think if you're able to do it and you want to do it i think by all means that could be really helpful to that person in the second scenario where you know maybe there's not as much accountability and responsibility in the mix it might be more helpful to sit down and have a conversation about what would be more helpful in the long run this is not ruling out giving a loan or a gift but let's talk about you know how are we going to use this so that it gets you back on your feet or you know what's a plan we can use for this money how can we prioritize you know, the debts that you're responsible for and really make yourself a partner in that process instead of just giving over a blank check right and if they let's say feel that they're paying their mortgage or their rent is really the main worry that they have you could also offer to make that payment for them you know directly if if you felt mm-hmm. like the person might misuse the money in some way you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know almost i don't want to compare this to an addict, but somebody has to be willing to make changes in order to make changes, right? You Mm -hmm. can't just have a conversation with somebody who does not want to change or does not want to alter their ability and think that you can kind of wave a a magic wand and and make it all get better. Um, That person definitely has to participate in the process and really look at the the root of the problem. So yeah, I like the idea of kind of trying to make a plan with them. You know, another tip I've also given people for giving money is to think about it as a gift, you know, in Mm -hmm. the worst case, if this person did not pay you back, would you be okay with that? And and really, I hate to say it, but you want to almost assume that in the beginning that If this person is not able to pay me back for whatever reason, you know, am I going to be okay with that financially? Am I going to be okay with that also mentally and with the relationship? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully the person will do as you agree and pay back. But Mm -hmm. uh, it would be really nice to also think about it in terms of, well, you know, this is a gift um, if you can afford it. You know, if that's how it works out, so be it. You're you're going to maintain that relationship. So, yeah, you, you do have to... I think go into a uh, yeah. in a lending situation with the right frame of mind. So I, I like that you talk about it that way. Yeah, and I think that is really important. What you mentioned about wanting to make sure that your own financial situation is healthy too. It's like that, you know, age old put on your own mask before putting on a mask on someone else in the airplane situation, right? It's that's so true with finances because. Sometimes people find themselves in a constantly giving situation and then they end up in a bad situation themselves. And now they're having to ask for help. And it's not healthy for relationships with other people. And it's not healthy for your own mental health either. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. 
find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. That brings me to another situation, Jade, that I often hear, which is children saying, my parents are retired or they're nearing retirement and they're not ready. You know, they're, um, they didn't save enough along the way. What do I do? You know, and so at, at that point, it really is very difficult for somebody to kind of just completely transform their their financial situation. If you are in that situation and, and you feel like your parents just really did not do a great job, you know, maybe because they were generous along the way, they paid for things that maybe they could not afford along the way. Maybe kids feel a little guilty about that. Like, okay, well, they mm -hmm. paid for my education and they paid for maybe whatever, a down payment on a home. You know, whether the the, the child is feeling, um, you know, guilty about that or not, what are some tips that kids can use to help their parents cope with that situation? It may not even be that the parents are that upset about it. A lot of times parents are, you know, sort of accepting of their situation. It's maybe mm -hmm. the kids that are more worried about the parents really than the parents are about themselves. Yeah, that is such a tricky situation because there are so many emotions involved and so much relationship history and maybe other resentments or guilts or shames along the way that are wrapped in, up in this. So one thing I would advise is Know what your hangups are going into this conversation. You might be upset about some completely unrelated thing to do with your parents, like they didn't accept your boyfriend 10 years ago and that was a big upsetting breakup. You know, that might be a really emotional thing still for you, but, you know, is that going to help really in the situation now in helping your parents plan their retirement. Get clear about your own emotions and any barriers in having a open and honest conversation with your parents. And maybe those are worth resolving first, or they're worth setting aside for now, purposely, really planfully accepting that for now so that you can have this more urgent conversation. And when it comes to planning for retirement or helping your parents with that, some people can get very avoidant about saving for retirement because it's such a big idea. You feel like you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and you have to eventually get to the top. That's really scary. So going into it with a lot of acceptance and empathy and asking open-ended questions, I think is really important. Instead of interrogating or giving advice or giving directives right away, maybe just get a really gentle feel for the land, lay of the land. You know, you may not know exactly how much your parents do have, or you may not know where what their plans are for how they want to live their life in retirement. Maybe your idea of them living in their current big house and maintaining all of these things, that's maybe not their plan. Maybe they want to downsize or have other ideas. So 
I would say don't make assumptions, just like we said in the beginning. Don't make assumptions, don't make judgments, don't interrogate, but ask open-ended questions, be empathic. And if it turns out that they do need some help, start small, you know, start just by figuring out what assets do you have? You know, what liabilities do you have? We don't have to have the big conversation today. Let's just take one hour and just list out the accounts. Next week, we'll figure out something else. Take it bite-sized. Take it in a way that isn't so intimidating that, you know, everybody gets avoidant or gets into fights. Yeah, absolutely. Even just saying, let's make an appointment with a financial advisor, you know, next month to see what's possible and what's not possible. Jade, if somebody is listening who is themselves Mm -hmm. struggling right now financially and they feel like they're not sure if they should reach Mm -hmm. out or tell family or friends, what advice would you give for them in order to, you know, get get the help that they might need from people closest to them? Yes, I think it's very difficult to ask for help, especially in our culture. We're taught to be self-sufficient, to not ask anybody else to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And I think in a way, that's actually a pretty unique perspective in human history because we've always relied on our village, on our family, on our extended family for financial support and for all sorts of other support. So I think it's actually very natural for humans to rely on each other and to help each other. And for the most part, I bet people will be pleasantly surprised by how willing their family members or friends are willing to help. And for the most part, I would say it doesn't hurt to ask. There may be some complicating factors in your relationship with your family members that makes it difficult, but you may still be pleasantly surprised by how much people are willing to give you a hand in a time of need. And you don't necessarily have to have everything in your relationship resolved with someone you know, maybe you're still angry about something they did or they're angry about something you did, but that doesn't necessarily preclude there being support for you. So I think it's worth asking and doing your best to honor your obligations and to be a willing partner in this. And if you come with that attitude, I think often people are willing to help. Jade, I know you're a sleep expert, so I have to ask you at least a, one sleep question. Sure. <laughs> If someone is anxious right now to the point where they are not sleeping well because they are worried about their financial situation, I mean, that's a huge question, I know, but what might be just a couple of tips uh, that listeners could take away? One tip I would uh, start out with is to compartmentalize. So we sometimes lie there tossing and turning, staring at the ceiling, worrying about the world's problems and our own problems. But most of those problems are not something we can do anything about right now. So to compartmentalize, I would even set aside a specific time of the day, let's say 30 minutes per day, where you sit down with your most dire worries or concerns and you write down, okay, here, here's the stuff that I'm worried about today. And then you label these as things you can control and things you cannot control. And the things that you can control, you write down the next couple of steps that you need to take in order to begin the process of solving that problem. And that might be make an appointment with a financial advisor or gather up all my passwords for all of my financial accounts so I can, you know, see what, where I'm at. Just even little steps like that, write those down. And then for the items 
where you cannot control, let's say, when is the pandemic going to be over? And is Congress going to pass another stimulus bill? These things we can't really do anything about, at least not right here, right now. So write those down as well and give yourself a few minutes to just let your hair down and worry your heart out about those things. And then after those few minutes are up, after your worry window is done, then you can take a deep breath and say, all right, I have worried my fill for today. And if you continue to have these worries pop up, especially you know at bedtime or during the night, you can tell yourself, well, I have my worry window tomorrow. I'll save this worry for tomorrow when I have dedicated time to think about this. Because right now, I cannot do anything about it in the middle of the night. And often that does help. Maybe not 100%, but that's at least a place to get started to help yourself mentally compartmentalize. That's terrific. So schedule your worry. (laughs) Absolutely. It sounds silly, but it works so well for so many people. It works well for me. Yeah. Time is up, you know, then it's time to move on and do something about the items that you can control, put aside the things you can't control and, you know, just incrementally move ahead. That's, that's brilliant. Jade, thank you so much. If people are interested in learning more about you and, and more about any of the topics that we've talked about today, where do you recommend they go? Well, they can subscribe to The Savvy Psychologist if they're interested in everyday psychology and well-being tips. Uh, We're also uh, a weekly podcast that I host. And they can also go to my website at www.jadewuphd.com to learn more about sleep research that I do. And um, I also provide some resources for sleeping well. Terrific. Jade, thank you so much. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Be well. You too. Jade's tip about using a worry window where you allow yourself to dwell on your money problems is just, it's gold. It's so wise. When the worry window closes, it's time to just do your best to move on with your day and stop worrying. Or go ahead and take action on something helpful that is in your control, such as making an appointment with a financial advisor, creating a financial plan, or looking for a new job, whatever it is that might move you closer to a solution. Whether you're worried about someone else or your own financial situation, the idea is to put boundaries around your worry and turn your attention to actionable solutions that will improve long-term success. If you'd like to get short email updates from me that are filled with tips and tools that I think you'll enjoy for saving more, growing your money, and becoming an amazing money manager, please visit lauradadams.com or give me a text message. Just text the phrase, get updates to the number 33444. Again, text get updates with no space to the number 33444 and you will be on my list. And if you're not into getting email, no problem. Another way that you might want to stay in touch is to join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. Just search for it on Facebook or you can even text the word dollars, D-O-L-L-A-R-S, to the number that I just mentioned, 33444, and I'll send you an invitation to the group. And as always, if you have a money question or a comment, leave your message on the voicemail line by calling 302-364-0308. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. 
Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, don't miss the notes for each show and the full archive of podcasts. They're in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.